don't even write it down because I'll lose that piece of paper. Text it to me or, or e email it to me because I'll forget it. Uh, as, as we get older, that seems to be more and more of a problem. So we're going to talk about things to remember today, trying to help our memory a little bit. And we're going to be talking over the next few weeks, not just about things that we should remember, but also things we should forget and uh, things that God remembers and forgets. So uh, we're going to dive into this a little bit today, and today is a pretty easy lesson if you can remember. Uh, if you can't, then you might have some problems. We're going to pray as we get started, pray the Lord would move and touch in all of our classes today, that he would lead us and guide us. Let's join together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you thankful to be here today, Lord. Thankful to be in your presence, that you have allowed us to gather together as your body and your name together today, Lord. And I pray that you would move in each of our classes today, God, that you would anoint every teacher to speak your word, that you would anoint every ear to hear your word today, Lord. I know that it's here to do a work, and I believe you and trust you for what you want to do in this place today, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Memory and memories. In fact, uh, as I was thinking about this, I, uh, I happened to listen to a couple uh, podcasts that I just was listening to, and they were about memories and it brought up some interesting things that we'll discuss in some later weeks but it's been said that memories make us uh, while you may uh, write things down or have pictures or uh, various things for most of the time as you walk around uh, it's the memories that make you how many of you have ever uh, looked back at some pictures or, or look back if you write things down and, and there's things that you've forgotten about ever done that before well, it's those memories, though, even though there's details that we have long forgotten, it's the memories that we hold true uh, that, that really begin to shape us. They, they shape how we remember the past. They uh, shape what happened years ago. Really, if it's true or not, your memory shapes what you think happened a long time ago or even last week. And that has a way of forming you. How you remember something affects your perception of people. How you remember you were treated by somebody affects your perception of that person. What happened in a circumstance, uh, it shapes you because you, you pull things out of it uh, saying that this is how I remember this happened. And so you pull things out of it and they, they can be pivotal moments that can shape your entire life. But memory is a strange thing. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing what we remember as well. I've already mentioned that you look back at pictures or something you've, you've written down in the past and you think, man, I completely forgot that it even happened before. Sometimes it's odd what people remember. It's strange what people remember. There's things that I can remember that it just, I, I, I don't know why I remember them. There could be, it could be a song that you, you knew as a kid and you haven't heard it in years and it starts playing and you just, all of a sudden, you just remember the words just like that. Now, someday, if you're lucky, I can still sing most of the lyrics to DC Talk's first album. If you don't know who DC Talk is, then you've just missed out on life. But uh, I happened to, I, I, was, I was painting a few weeks ago, and I downloaded some, I, I decided to go retro, so I downloaded some of those old songs to listen to, and I, I demonstrated my rapping skills for my kids, and they were, boy, were they impressed, yeah. <laughs> but then there's, there's big things that you just are just gone, and somebody brings it up, and you say, man, I had completely forgotten about, about that. 
And the interesting thing about memory is, is, is while you have forgotten that event, it could be a pivotal moment in somebody else's life. Two people experiencing the same thing, one person completely forgets it or just remembers random details, and the other person, it's something they've held on to and they've cherished, and it's just, it's shaped a lot of things in their life. So memory is just an odd thing. It's, it's interesting how multiple people can have multiple memories of the exact same event. Of course, we know this with eyewitness accounts, um, but the same people can be at the same place, experiencing the exact same moment, and just have completely different perceptions and ideas of what happened. And the scary thing is, is it's because it's your memory, what you believe is true. That's how it happened. Uh, it, it, there's all kinds of, of funny stuff uh, that, that, that when you start looking at memories, but there's a thing called time slicing when they talk about memory. This is the kind of thing, and this gets worse as you get older, I'm sure uh, you may realize that, when you say uh, a few days ago or a couple weeks ago, and then you think about it and it actually happened before Christmas. <laughs> it, it's called time slicing where you, you, because you just cut out chunks of time. And, and this happens in, in, in uh, unimportant things, but it also happens in very important things as well. There's been lots of studies done about our memories, trying to figure out how memories work, how we remember. And one such aspect of those studies that, that it's relevant to us today covers something called attentional saturation. Now, that just means when it's something that's around all the time, somehow you have a way of forgetting it because it's around all the time. Now, there's some things I know because I have limited uh, brain capacity. There's some things that I just need to know for the moment, and as soon as it's done, gone. I don't care. I don't even try and remember it anymore. It's gone. Now, the bad thing is that starts happening to the things that I need to remember as well. Um, but attentional saturation is, is about things that you see all the time, and yet when it comes to describing those and actually writing it down or drawing those, you forget. How many of you are at church right now? Physically. We won't count mentally. How many of you have been uh, to church at least 20 times this year. <laughs> Count back, think of all the times. How many of you know what color the chairs are? White? Okay. How many of you sit in the same seat pretty much every week? <laughs> now what's amazing is when it comes time for your turn to set up chairs and you can't remember how many rows there are, how many chairs are in the row, yet you've seen them how many times? And you would have no, you would say, yeah, I know, but then when I cut, you're like, well, how, where does this go? I don't know. But you've seen it all the time. It's attentional saturation. Uh, I'm, we're going to put a slide up here. How many of you have ever seen a penny before? How many of you don't care about pennies anymore? Seems like a waste of space now. But one of these uh, experiments they did, and I know that's a little hard to see. The picture wasn't very good. Uh, but one of the studies they did about attentional saturation is everyone's seen a penny. Everyone's touched a penny. They've probably got them floating around their car. You vacuum them up because you don't even care about them. Uh, but how many of you, and that's something that we've all seen. And yet when they, they, they put this, and I know there's a bunch of them, and that may be part of the problem. There's, they put these pictures up there, and they ask people to pick out which one of those is the actual penny. Something that you've seen, you couldn't even remember how many times you have seen a penny before. You couldn't recount how many times. So it's something that you've seen a bunch of times. So just get in your head, look at that. We won't, take, we won't go through every one and see which one, you know, 
So just get in your head and, and look at them. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. All right, click it and let's see which one's the right one. All right. So it sounds like a few people got it. How many of you didn't get it? How many of you didn't care? No. <laughs> but that's something that you see all the time and yet is easy uh, to forget what's really there. They've done this with people that have worked in the same place for years and, and, and uh, probably could happen here. There's fire extinguishers in this building. There's fire extinguishers probably where you work. And then they ask people to map out where the fire extinguishers are. Something they've seen every day for some people up to 25 years. They've worked in the same spot and they've, they know there's fire extinguishers. But then when it happens, they've got no clue where they are when, when they, they're asked to do that. There's also a study where they ask people to draw famous logos, not just to identify them, but to start drawing them, something they see all the time. One of the famous ones is the, the Apple logo, which is really easy to remember because the Apple logo is an apple. But then they asked people to draw it. It was amazing how many people, even that had Macs or, or iPhones or whatever, couldn't draw the apple how it really was, something that they looked at maybe even every day for years. And so they, 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 they've tested these things, and, and the, the issue comes is when they try to fully describe the, whatever the object is, even though they've seen it for years. And the problem with memory in all aspects, and here's the, here's the danger of it, is that we are all highly confident in our memories. When people were asked, to, if, do you think you could point out what a penny looks like? Do you think you could point out where the fire extinguishers are? Do you think you could draw the, lo the logo for Apple? People's expectations are super high. And then they're asked to do it. And then all of a sudden, phew, this huge drop. The amazing, th well, <laughs> this, this is just a mind-blowing fact to me. There's a, they do these studies called flashbulb studies. They do these after uh, a major event, a flashbulb like a camera, a major event that happens in the world or locally. So they do flashbulb studies. After the death of Princess Diana, they did flashbulb studies. After the Challenger explosion, they did a flashbulb study. After 9-11, they did a flashbulb study. And what they do is they ask people four or five questions the day after the event. So on 9-11, they would ask people, how did you hear about 9-11? Where were you? What was the first thing you did, to, did after that? Who did you talk to? Not a bunch of questions, just four or five questions. And they would have the people write those answers down. Then they would come back to those people one year later, ask them the exact same questions. Then they would come back two years later, ask them the exact same questions. And they'd come back ten years later and ask them the exact same questions. What is amazing is what takes place between the day after and the, the first year. It's, it's, it blows my mind. Because the day after to one year later, almost 60% of the facts change. That is crazy. In fact, there was people that they were given, given what they had written down. And one year later, they look at that and they'd say, I know that's my writing, but that is not what happened. They were arguing with themselves about what happened the day after. This is one year later. They're arguing with themselves. So just, and that's flashball moments. That's moments that are major. So Think about flashball moments all the way down to your personal life. Someone close to you passes away. Something uh, traumatic or dramatic happens in your life. And think about how that has shaped you, what you remember about it. And over 50% of what you believe is false, probably. That's mind-blowing to me. 
because of how much memory shape us. What I remember about events is not the way that it happened. I don't know if that blows your mind, but it blows my mind. I don't know. Maybe you'll think about this and change it 50% something else, something you remember. So they do all these things about our memory. And, and, and uh, the, the problem comes because people do not doubt their memory. They have high confidence about what they remember. And researchers uh, state the best way to see how well you really know something is to state the information in a meaningful way. So don't just tell me there's fire extinguishers in your work. Show me that you know where they are. Draw the plan. Put it in meaningful way. So today, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about things that I should remember. Things that I should remember. And we're going to start with some very simple things that, that Scripture tells me that I should remember or things that I should not forget. And these are things that are highly important. These are things that are not mind-blowing things. Yet, I think sometimes spiritually, attentional saturation can begin to leak in and it begins to dilute what we really know. We hear things all the time in church, and, and sometimes it's just words that we begin to hear, and yet, and yet when we're asked to explain them, when we're asked to talk about them, we have trouble doing it. But these are things that are highly important. And again, none of these are, are probably, you're going to be like, man, I never thought of that before. But I hope that it challenges you in some way. And the very first thing, we're going all the way back to the start, that Scripture tells me to remember, and this is, we're not covering everything the Scripture says to remember and to forget not, but just a few things. The first thing is to remember where He brought you from. To remember where He brought you from. Sometimes we hear about our testimony. Sometimes we hear about uh, the, the sin that we used to be in, and, and attentional saturation can begin to affect us, and really, we don't really remember where God brought us from. We don't truly recognize where he brought us from. Exodus 13 and 3, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no unleavened bread be eaten. God speaks to the people and he says, Remember this day. Now, there's a lot of days in my life that are important days. But how many of you remember the day that you came to an altar or whatever it was and, and, and your life turned around, God transformed your life? How many of you remember that day? That seems like a day that should live uh, forever in our lives. It should be a day that affects us for the rest of our life. But God knew something. He knew people. You see, because that's what it is. We are people. We are human. We have faults, failures, and, and we have all of these things. And he said, specifically, I want you to remember this day. Because he knew they would forget. He knew that the lasting effect, even though it seemed like, how can you ever forget 400 years of slavery and now being set free? How in the world? Why would God say, remember this day? That seems like a given that there's no way you could forget it. And yet we know the story that Israel did forget. And I think it's no less important that we should let that day that God transformed our lives be something that affects us every single day. In Deuteronomy 15 it says, And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing this day. We need to remember where we were that Jesus Christ brought us from. We were slaves. That's what a bondman was. And Egypt is a type of sin in the world. We were a slave to sin. Don't forget, 
you, you, we think we, we time slice and we do all these things with our memories and we sometimes glorify where we were before we met God. But let me remind you that you were a slave before you met Jesus Christ. You had no control over your life. You thought you were living free. You thought you were doing your own thing. And yet it was sin that ruled rampant in your life. It was sin that was controlling every aspect of your life. Don't forget where you were headed on that road that you were on. Don't forget that it was leading to destruction, that it was leading to death, that it was separation from God. You cannot forget those things. And yet attentional saturation can cause us to begin to forget these things because we see them all the time. When we begin to think about Israel, we begin to think about them wandering in the wilderness and we begin to read the story that they were slaves for 400 years and then they were delivered. They, they were being killed, they were being slaughtered, they had just come through a time where all the male children had been killed. I mean, how could things get much worse? And then we read about them escaping uh, by the hand of God. And before too long, we f start reading their complaints. And it's amazing when you think about all that they endured, and then you start to read their complaints. It talks about having fish freely, and cucumbers, and onions, and leeks, and you brought us here to die. And Egypt was so wonderful. How does that make sense? When I read that, I think, how ignorant can you be? You were a slave. You had to go cut the straw and then make the bricks and then you were working from dawn till dusk. Probably later, people were dying. They'd taken your children and slaughtered them and you are craving that place. How ignorant does that seem? And it seems to me that that's just human. It doesn't seem like it's a weird quirk of the Israelites. It seems to me that that's human. That suddenly they'd begun to cut out things out of their memory. And they forgot about some of the beatings. And they'd begin to forget about some of the stuff that had happened. And they simply remember the good things. Now let me ask you, in our lives, how does that happen spiritually? When all of a sudden I begin to forget about all the bad that was in my life before I met God. I hit a rough patch. Well, I thought living for God would be great. I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be roses. I thought everything would go great now, that, that I would get checks in the mail and all my bills would be paid, that nobody would ever get sick again. Oh, those days when I could work on Sunday and make extra money. All oh, those days when this would be like that and th this would happen. Have you forgotten that you were a slave to sin? Have you forgotten where you were? We cannot forget where we were before Jesus Christ found us. That, those memories that we have that seem to draw us back, those are not real. Those are not true. I wonder how people return to a life that was destroying them. It's very simple. They forget the bad and only remember the good. And they allow their memories, which really cannot be trusted that well, they allow their memories to pull them back. And before long, they're in a worse place than they were before. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, don't forget where he brought you from. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, 
are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. I just want to remind you where you were to help you remember how far away from God you were before you met him. You were so far away from God that you were in a place that had no hope. And I know times get rough and things get tough right now, but let me remind you where you were before. There was no hope. At least now I have hope in Jesus Christ. At least now I can put my hope somewhere. Let me remind you that you were so far away that you were like a complete foreign race, like an alien or a stranger. There was nothing that connected you to God. You were so far away that you had no right. You had no part, no place in the kingdom of God. That's how far away you were. As insignificant as you may feel right now, you didn't even have a place in the kingdom of God before. So why would you look back to those things with longing? Why would you hearken back to those days and say, I wish for those days? I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ though which broke down every barrier and it made a way where there was no way I'm now no longer a stranger or or a foreigner I now live a life full of hope because of the blood of Jesus Christ don't forget where he brought you from 2 Peter 1 6 and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity for in these things if these things be in you and abound they make that ye shall neither be bare nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ that's a list of things there knowledge temperance temperance patience patience godliness to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity that's a lesson all in itself adding those things to your life and then verse 9 says but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins this list of things that we are to be striving towards and possess are things that begin to blind us to what God has done in our life these are things that begin to cloud our memory when we're lacking in these things it's not just that I'm supposed to do these things it's not just that I'm supposed to have kindness I'm supposed to have temperance and patience and brotherly love and charity it's not just that I'm supposed to have those things it's that when I lose those things in my life that's when I begin to forget what God did in my life it's not just that I should love my brother because scripture says it's because if I quit loving my brother I quit I, I, I forget what God did for me it's not just that I should be patient with other people No, when I'm not patient all of a sudden I begin to forget what God did in my life and I can't ever forget where God brought me from I can't ever forget that he purged me from my sins when I start judging others and that begins to take over, I start to lose what God has done in my own life. I cannot forget where God brought me from. And we could spend a long time just talking about where God brought us from because He's brought us a long way. But it's important for us to never, it doesn't matter how many times you hear it said, how many times you hear it preached, I cannot allow that, that, that commonality to just make me blind to what God did. The second thing I need to remember are his blessings and benefits. His blessings and his benefits. Psalms 103.2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And that's a colon there. Now, I, 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 I'm not sure about some of my grammar skills now. I think I've forgotten them. <laughs> but it, it seems to me that a colon indicates a list that's coming up. I remember that. 
forget not all of his benefits. And here we go. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Let me tell you, you should just mark that passage in your Bible, Psalms 103 2. If you're ever down, you just need to be able to turn to Psalms 103 and don't forget his benefits and his blessings. Just think about that list. There's forgiveness in him. There's healing. There's redemption. It says I'm crowned or surrounded by mercy and loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, there's satisfaction that I can have in my life. Through Jesus Christ, there is renewal that I can have in my life. All of these are benefits and blessings. I can't forget not just what Jesus Christ brought me from, but the benefits and blessings that he has put in my life. I don't want to ever get satisfied or complacent that he still forgives. I don't ever want to forget that he's still the healer, still the redeemer. I don't want to forget that when I wake up in the morning, I'm surrounded by mercy and loving kindness. I don't want to forget that any time I enter in his presence, he can begin to renew my soul and my mind. I cannot forget his blessings and his benefits. Psalms 25, 7 says, Remember not the sins of my youth. Oh, how many of you have prayed that before? <laughs> Nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. I'm glad that he doesn't remember all of our sins from our youth or even from yesterday. I'm glad that his blood covers those things, and even though I, I remember some of those things, that God doesn't remember them anymore. I'm thankful for that. But I want you to notice something. This is about his benefits and his blessings. Notice one of the benefits that David mentions here. It's kind of tied in there just a little bit. He says, don't remember me according to all my bad stuff that I did before. But when you remember me, remember me according to thy mercy and thy goodness. Now that, that to me seems like a pretty brazen request right there. Lord, don't remember me for who I am and who I was, but when you remember me, think about yourself and your mercy and your goodness. The psalm, that, that's, that's to me is a benefit. I don't know what you see when you look at me. That I, we're not going to take requests either. Well, I'm, not, I'm not asking. That's a rhetorical question. I don't need any answers to that. But the psalmist says, when you look at me, God, I don't want you to see my faults and my failures and all my failings. No, here's one of the benefits. When God looks at you, he looks at you through his mercy and through his goodness. That's why he can look at you and love you with an undying and an unfailing love. That's why he can look at you and he can forgive you again and again and again. Because he's not looking at your faults, your transgressions. He's looking at his mercy. He's looking at his goodness. Not because you're so good, but because he is so good. I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to heal. I'm willing to renew. I'm thankful for his mercy and his goodness this morning. I'm thankful that when he looks at me, he looks at me through a lens that's not the lens that, that sin has created for me or the lens that I've tried to create for myself. No, he looks at me through his mercy and through his goodness. That's a blessing and a benefit. Psalm 63, 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. 
My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. It would almost be too difficult to list all the blessings and benefits that come with living for the Lord. But I want to just pull us to this verse. He talks about loving kindness. He talks about blessing the Lord while he lives. He talks about being satisfied in his soul. He talks about having praise in his mouth. And he says, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Seems to me like you can pray in bed. That sounds pretty good. (laughs) That works real good. I've got some great revelations doing that before. Fantastic revelations. Then I woke up. I just couldn't quite find the scripture that matched up with that revelation, but boy, it was good. (laughs) He says, you've been my help, and I'm speaking to you now from the shadow of your wings. He talks about meditating in the night watches. He talks about uh, uh, dwelling upon the blessings and benefits. You see, one of the things that that it says we need to do with our memory to not uh, uh, begin to create false memories is to begin to list them in detail. To begin to put them into writing, to begin to put them in words. And it seems to me that's like what the psalmist is doing here. Is he's not just saying, thank you, Lord, but he is meditating on the Lord in the night watches. He is, he is speaking things in his spirit. He's speaking things out loud about what God has done. And I think it's important for us, if we are to remember what God has done in our life, that it's not just something that goes on internally, but it's something that we begin to speak out, that we begin to, when we pray, we begin to say those things in prayer. And we thank Him for His help. But then we go not just to His help, but we begin to get specific about what He has done in our life because it's at that moment that the memories become more concrete. It's at that moment that I can begin to trust those memories about what he's done in my life. It's at those times that when I have those to hold on to, that when the times get rough, I can go back to those moments. I can go back to those times, and I remember what the Lord has done in my life. The psalmist remembers how God has been his help, and he says, therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. He realizes that now he is in the shadow of God. I'm thankful for that benefit. That I'm not just out there by myself. I'm thankful for the blessing that I'm now under the shadow of his wings. I rejoice because of where I am under his wing. I rejoice because of the protection that I have under his wing. I rejoice because of the blessings of the nurturing that I receive under the wing of God. I'm thankful for his blessing and his benefits. I'm thankful that he brought me a long way and I'm thankful for his blessings and benefits. And the last thing this morning I want to look at that we should remember is remember his works and what you've seen. Remember his works and what you've seen. Similar to blessings and benefits, but sometimes the blessings aren't just in my life. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only take heed to thyself. Those verses mean, quit wor- when it starts out like that, it means quit worrying about everyone else. This is for you. And keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. We have here both a principle and a practical way to apply the principle. It says to take heed or remember what the Lord has done. 
It's important for us to remember what God has done in our life, and we've talked about it briefly here, but we should remember what God has done in our life. In other words, we should remember the testimony of what God has done in our life. We should remember that. I know Life Development 3 is going on, and, and, and in part of that, the, part of the exercises is writing down what God has done for you. It's important for us to know what God has done for us. I don't know if you've ever caught yourself, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm... I'm trying to remember where it was. I read it some some kid or something. Just I think I tried it once too to get by with praying a quick prayer by just saying thanks for everything. Well, that that covered everything. That covered dinner. That covered bedtime. That covered that covered everything. But that didn't fly real good either. So, but it, do you ever find yourself being kind of vague when you're talking to the Lord? Find yourself just, and when you start talking vague, it just kind of gets into church talk, like your church prayer. <clears throat> you know, the kind you clear your throat before, because <clears throat> you're getting ready to really pray, and you get the little shake in your right hand, that one. <clears throat> and, and you start just saying catchphrases, and there's nothing wrong because a lot of those phrases uh, we use it's, it's not just because there's nothing else to say, but because there's truth in them. But sometimes we find ourselves just uh, uh, praying in words that are just, if you want, just vague, common words. But he says, keep your soul diligently. Take heed to yourself. Because if you don't, you're going to forget what your eyes have seen. Our physical memory tells us this. There, there's countless billions of things that you have seen in your life that you don't remember. Just think of all, well you can't because you can't even think of them. All the things that you've seen in your life that you've completely forgotten about. And you may come across something and think, wow, I'd completely forgotten about that. Something triggers in your mind. But then there's things that you want to remember. And so you try and picture them in your mind. You, you may write them down, you take a picture of it so you don't forget. I won't go off on pictures. I don't understand why people take pictures of some things. I don't get it. What are you going to do with that picture? I mean, really, you took a picture of that guy in the parade. What are you going to do with that picture? Are you going to print it out and put it on your mantle? What are you going to do with it? Sorry. I just don't understand what people take pictures of sometimes. Maybe I, that's just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. And this probably speaks, a, well, any, I won't even tell you that part because then. <laughs> what was I talking about? Pictures? <laughs> But it's important for us to remember, he says, you don't want to forget what you've seen. And that's why it's important to, to not just have a testimony, but know your testimony and speak your testimony. It's important. Because if you don't do it, you will forget it. Uh, uh, physical studies show about our physical memory that we will forget. That what you remember about 9-12, what you remember right now, or what you, what, 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 uh, all the stuff that surrounded 9-11... The people, what you thought happened, probably half of it is wrong. And you think you're 100% right when I ask you what happened. Probably 50% of it is wrong. And so I don't want to forget what God has done in my life. 
I don't want to forget the things that he has done, the miraculous things he's done. So how do I get past that? I talk about it. I remember it. I bring it to my, I write it down. I take a picture of it. Whatever I need to do, I need to make sure that I don't forget what my eyes have seen. I cannot forget what God has done. And this verse tells us exactly that. How do I remember everything that God's done? Because we, we sing the songs, you know, uh, uh, when I think back over my life and think things over, I truly can say I've been blessed. Uh, you know, we sing the songs about count his blessings, name them one by one. How can you begin to describe all that God has done in your life? How can you begin to remember? This verse tells us you have to have a testimony and you have to share your testimony of what you have seen in your life. And he says, first of all, you need to start with your family. He says, you need to tell your sons, you need to tell your kids what God has done in your life. You should not let their first experiences of God doing something just be something that they experience. No, they should know that God is a healer because you've told them. They should know that God's a provider because you are recounting what God has done in your life. He says, if you don't want to forget, it's not just something you store in your memory bank and you just treasure on yourself. No, if you begin to share it, first of all, you'll remember it a whole lot better. It will bless you a whole lot better. And then you're telling someone else about the goodness of God. You're telling someone else about what he's done. And this verse tells us, how can I strengthen my own testimony? How can I have confidence in my own testimony? It tells us very simply how to do that. Begin to share it. When you share your testimony, you gain a confidence in your own story. You gain a confidence in God. The best way to discover attentional saturation is to try and apply the information, information in a meaningful way. So what does that mean? How many of you know the Lord's done something for you in your life? Anything. We all know that. But how do I discover attentional saturation about what God's done in my life? When somebody asks me about it. We all know how to be saved. You've probably heard it a hundred times. And then someone asks you, what do I need to do to be saved? Uh, 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 um, you need to call the church office. That's what you do to be saved. There's things that we all know, and we'd raise our hand and say, yeah, I know it, and then someone asks us. See, that's how I discover my attentional saturation. The things that I hear all the time, see all the time, but then when it comes to describe it, I don't really know how to describe it. That's what this verse is saying. How do I get past that is I begin to speak those things, I begin to teach those things to others. I need to start sharing what my eyes have seen so that I don't forget what God has done. Psalm 78, 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. You see, there's a connection in this verse between my hope and what God has already done. There's a connection there. When I'm feeling hopeless, there's a reservoir I can go to because I don't know what the future holds. So it's tough to me to go to the future. Now I know there's heaven and I can pull strength from heaven. But it's tough to me to, for, for us to reach into our future because it's unknown. Known. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But there's a connection between my hope and what God has already done. In my present, it's tough for me to reach into the future and say, I'm going to pull hope back to me. But what happens in this verse says is there's a connection between my hope in the past, 
what God has already done and what I can have right now. So I look back to my past and I say, I know he healed then, and so I pull hope to my sickness now. I know he saved then, so I pull hope to my lost family member now. I know he provided then, and so I know he can provide now. This is why I cannot forget what the works that God has done. I cannot forget what I have seen because it pulls hope into my present. It pulls hope into my situation right now. And if I start forgetting what God has done, then all of a sudden I don't have hope right now. And what does scripture say? It wants men to see the hope that's in us. How do I have the hope that demonstrates to other people that there's hope for them too? I remember what God has done. I speak what God has done. I write it down, do whatever I need to do. And then I can pull that into my present. I set my hope through my memory of what he's done before. My obedience and remembrance bring about the anchor of hope in my life. That's what I need. When I remember what he's done, it gives me hope that he's going to come through again. When I remember what he's done, it reminds me that he will be faithful and I put my hope in that. When I think about the times that he has come through and he said something and he did it, then that pulls hope into the present and the unfulfilled word of God. I need to remember what he did and the works that he's done because that is my present hope. Psalms 143.3 For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is desolate. Man, that's, that's a bad place he's in right there. He says, I'm in darkness as those who have been dead for a long time. There's moments when we get feeling this way. We feel like the enemy has persecuted our soul. We're just down on the ground, crawling around like a worm. We're in darkness every way we feel. It's just a thick darkness. We can't find direction. We can't find anything. And this is where we feel in verse 4. Our spirit is overwhelmed. How many of you ever had your spirit be overwhelmed before? When the prayer is, Lord, I, I got no clue. I, I like to have a solution, but Lord, I'm so far from a solution, I, I can't even venture anything my heart within me is desolate honestly it feels like you know he hasn't that's you reach into the past and full hope but it feels like he's left you the only thing that keeps you is you know his works from before that he won't leave you but then he says this i remember the days of old i meditate on all thy works i muse on the work of thy hands i stretch forth my hands unto thee my soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. The psalmist is in a pretty rough place. And I want you to understand what pulls him through. I don't discount the need for any of these things. Of preaching, of church, of fellowship. I don't discount the need for any of those. But I want you to see in this verse what pulls him through. What pulls him through is considering what God's done before in his life. You know, sometimes my testimony is not about other people. Sometimes there's a moment when it's time for me to get up and say what God has done. And we've had services that people got up and said what God has done, and it's encouraged and strengthened, and that is all necessary. But sometimes your testimony is for you. You need to remember the power of your own testimony in your own life. 
Because what David did, it sounds to me like David's in a pretty bad place. It sounds to me like he's in a spot where he doesn't know what to do, what to pray, what to say. His spirit is overwhelmed. And so he just starts remembering the days of old. He just starts to think back about what God has done before. And there's a little bit of a progression here. His spirit's overwhelmed. It seems to me like he doesn't know what to pray, what to do. His heart is desolate. It seems like God is far. His presence is is far. So in his mind, he just begins to think back to the days of old in his mind. I remember when God did this. I remember this work that he did. And then it says, I meditate and then I muse. (laughs) How many of you have mused before? But that word meditate, that word muse, it goes, it's a little bit of a progression because I can remember just in my mind. But meditation and musing, it begins to, it's like a murmuring, is what it says, under your breath. I have you done that before. You've been walking around the house just, done that before. Okay? But it begins to develop, if you will. It goes from just something that's in my head to something that I begin to speak out. And all of a sudden, when I begin to speak it out, something happens within the psalmist. Something changes. The practical application is, how many times in my darkness have I truly meditated on what God has done? I don't know what your course of action is when the darkness comes in, but usually I I try to flounder around for a while and find my way through the darkness, try to create a light in the tunnel somewhere, I try to fight my way through it. And then sometimes I just succumb to it. There's the darkness. Oh well. Hope it, hope it passes soon. But that's not what, the, what David does. He begins to remember and then he begins to speak on what God has done before. And we've already mentioned it in the verse previously. What that does is it pulls hope into my present. And then he begins to speak to himself, murmuring in a low voice meditating on what God has done. I wonder how many times that we've felt like the psalmist before and what we simply needed was to remember our own testimony and to begin to speak our own testimony into our own lives, to begin to put faith into ourselves, to begin to put hope into ourselves, and simply take a break from whatever is overwhelming us and take a space in that time and begin to think back over what God has done in our lives and then begin to speak those things into our life. I'm not talking about speaking things into existence because they're things that have already happened. But when I begin to speak those, all of a sudden we find verse 6. All of a sudden he is overwhelmed in verse 4. He begins to think and then begin to say. And then all of a sudden it says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee. All of a sudden, the overwhelming, the darkness, the desolation suddenly begins to empty as he simply remembers his own testimony. And I want to encourage you in your own life. Maybe you're in a dark situation right now. Maybe you're not. But I want to encourage you and challenge you and to not forget what God has already done in your life. To not forget the testimony that He has given you. And your testimony might just be for yourself. And I would challenge you in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of being overwhelmed, in the middle of desolation, to simply begin to remember what God has done before. I don't see the situation changing. 
I know it did eventually, but I don't see it changing in this moment. And it's interesting to see he remembers in the darkness. He begins to remember. Then he meditates. Then he stretches forth his hand. Then his soul becomes hungry. The spirit that was overwhelmed and the heart that was desolate suddenly has a hunger stirring within it, has a thirsting stirring within it. And then he says, Selah. I just got to stop and think about all that God's done for me. You know what? I think in a lot of our situations, getting ourselves to the point of just being able to say, Selah would, would, man, that would change our circumstance. It would change us definitely. When I begin to think about all that's going on in my life, when I begin to think of all the things that are happening, I can very easily become overwhelmed. But instead, I'm going to take some time to think about what God has done. And you know what? This is a progression that can happen in your life. Before you know it, in the middle of the desolation, in the middle of the overwhelming, in the middle of the darkness, all of a sudden you can lift your hands and your soul becomes hungry for God. It becomes thirsty for Him. His presence overwhelms you. And all of a sudden it just needs a little praise break. It needs a selah because all of a sudden there's a refreshing that comes when I think about what God has done in my life. I'm thankful that I can have that in my life. I'm thankful for the works that he's done, and I'm thankful that the works that he did still affect me today. That they're not just some accomplished thing back then, but if he healed me of cancer however many years ago, that can affect me today. That can give me hope in my situation. That if he saved someone back then, then right now I can have the faith that he will still do it today. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Some things to remember. I can... I have to remember where he brought me from. I need to remember his blessings and his benefits. And I need to remember his works and what I've seen. I challenge you to begin to remember these things in your life. And, and do it in a practical way. Don't just let it be something, yeah, I know I'm saved. Yeah, there's fire extinguishers. Yeah, that's what a penny looks like. No, begin to put it into practice. If that means telling, if that means writing, if that means doing something, let these things be concrete images in your mind, something that you can hold on to in your life. I want us to pray right now and pray that the Lord would help us as we try to remember these things, is that he would bring them to our remembrance, that he would encourage us through what he's done in our life before. Lord Jesus, we come before you thankful for everything that you've done. And Lord, we know that there's so many things you've done in our life that we cannot even remember them right now. And I'm thankful for all the blessings, the benefits, the works, Lord, for saving my soul. And I pray that you would help me. Lord, let these things shape my life as I, as I testify of these things, as I speak these things, that they would shape my life, Lord, that they would be a constant reminder that I would realize the hope that I can have in my present. Lord, that I can lift my hands in every circumstance because of what you've done. Lord, I praise you, Lord. I pray that, that our testimonies would encourage one another, that they would encourage ourselves, Lord. Help us to remember all that you've done, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.